Welcome again to the Mutual Aid on Lockdown podcast, the podcast where every single episode is about the question of how do we do mutual aid at a time like this? How are people out there doing mutual aid and um, starting different efforts, starting different groups and different strategies during this COVID-19 era? And in each episode, I'm talking with different people from different places about the ways that they're responding. And um, I've been able to talk to a lot of really amazing folks about what's going on now. And so if you want more information about these podcasts, you can go to mutualaidlockdown.com. Um, and there you'll you'll find links to all the other conversations that I've been having so far. And if you know of a project that should be included in this podcast, please email mutualaidlockdown at gmail.com. Um, yeah, because I love to hear about all these new things that are popping up all over. Um, so today I'm really lucky to talk with with a group from my hometown, Grand Rapids, um, and I'm joined today by Amy and LaDonna, who are both part of the Grand Rapids Area Mutual Aid Network, which is a group of community members pulling together to help one another during this time. And this is really awesome. In seven weeks, they have worked with over 150 volunteers, given money to directly to 173 people, paid out $48,000 and and more. These numbers are all still growing. They paid out over $48,000 in direct giving, delivered groceries to 245 families, paid for at, paid for more than $7,288 worth of those groceries and have had at least $15,000 worth of groceries donated by Latino grocery stores and local food pantries. And like I said, all of those numbers are still going and still rising um, as this effort is is continuing. So, yeah, thanks so much, Amy and LaDonna, for, for coming on the podcast. And thanks so much for your work. And, um, yeah, I'm really excited that to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Thanks for asking us. Definitely. Yeah, mm. thanks. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and um, We're here. So the let's let's start with this kind of a, a broad question of, of what is Grand Rapids Area Mutual Aid Network and kind of how does it work? What is it what does it look like? Yeah, um, I can start on that and then LaDonna you chime in or add on. Exactly. We'll get it rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we are a mutual aid network um, as the numbers you read reflect, we've been mostly working on giving, um, getting groceries out to people um, and then doing direct cash funding. Um, Those have been two of our biggest focuses. So if people need something, um, they usually find us via our Facebook page or via word of mouth. Um, And then we get their information. We can do that a couple of ways. We have volunteers who are working um, with our, just with our Google voice number and we'll call people or we'll text people and get their information or people can fill out a Google form on their own. um, And we just ask them about what they need or what they have to offer, what they're able to do. Um, And then if they have a need like groceries or something, we ask for a list of groceries that they need. Um, If they have a need for money, um, we have, we try really hard not to be invasive. We have a basic financial support form, just asking about how, how many are in their household. Um, 
and how the COVID-19 shutdown has affected them. Um, and then um, what, one of the big things about our structure is that we knew when we created the mutual aid network that we did not want white people making decisions about money. We really wanted to disrupt systems of white supremacy. Um, and so we have an anonymous all um, people of color giving circle. Um, folks from various parts of the community, black community, community, Latinx community, um, trans community, disabled community, all folks coming together um, who make the decisions about where the money goes. Um, and none of that is touched by me or the other white folks who are engaged in it. So we explain that's a little bit. We explain why uh, why that is important for maybe who's somebody who's who's new to this idea that um, that white folks in your organization are intentionally kept out of the make decision making process regarding where the money goes. Yeah, I mean, one of the ways that white supremacy works, right, is that white people control money. Um, they steal. <laughs> we. I was going to say they, we mm -hmm. steal wealth, um, we steal labor, we steal land, and then we control it. Um, and in order to disrupt that, it was really important that we not replicate that system um, and not have that control. And so we are really working to follow that leadership um, of folks who are embedded in communities um, that are historically marginalized. And so they really, um, you know, and, and LaDonna can speak to this as far because she is a person who connects deeply with community. Um, and so there's a, there's things when you're within community that you know. Um, yeah, I don't know if you wanna speak about that a little bit, LaDonna. Um, well, I think it's important that people that look like me um, are serving the community and not just a face for the community. Um, being a part of this is so amazing because we're learning so many things, but we just didn't want to give money out. We wanted to also give resources out mm -hmm. because some folks um, lack resources. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, we're just all connected. We're learning as we go. We really just don't have like this system, this this perfect system. I think that we we started and we learned and we made some mistakes and we're still learning. And um, folks are gonna need aid way past, um, I think that way past when the quarantine is over with. Um, mm -hmm. I think um, just about, it's easy to mismanage funds when you have a lot of time on your hands. <laughs> And um, that's something we look at. And by us being from different backgrounds, we all have like this insight that makes us even stronger as with the mutual aid. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, that that totally makes sense. And so, will you um, will you describe then how how the process of the giving circle works um, in your in your group? Yes, um, as, like Amy said, there's uh, several of us and we're from all from different backgrounds, which mm -hmm. is really great because we all have a different perspective. Yeah. Um, so usually um, we have a set amount um, initially when we start the meeting. Um, so, I'm sorry, let me just start over. There's a check-in 
because mm-hmm. we want to make sure our strong friends are okay too. Mm-hmm. That's so a great, we that's check a great in. first thing, you know, before anything, yes. just check in. First How thing. are you? Yeah. I'm sorry. That that's a great first, you know, first part of getting together is like, okay, before we get into the to the thick of it, let's just see where we're at as people, as humans, you know. And right. Care of so relationships. I, I think Very that cool. not only are we supporting the community, but we're supporting each other, and that's important in these uncertain times. That's and um, it's it's. It's, it's just a learning process we're learning as we're mm-hmm. going. I will tell you this, there's there's been nobody in your hometown to do what we've done. Nobody was doing anything. And so when I heard about the mutual aid, I really wanted to jump on it and help. Like, how can we help and assist our community? Because we really didn't know what we were doing either. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's easy to give money, but I mean, we're not an organization. Um, mm-hmm. th- these are volunteer folks and, um, I don't know the right words. I'm not used to talking on podcasts, <laughs> yeah, but get in front of me and yeah. I will just talk your ears off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. So it, it sounds like it's something where every every step of the way you're having to kind of make the road as you as you walk it. Yeah. Um, so we have this amount. We're given an amount. Um, we set aside money for food. Um, number one, and we set money aside for volunteers uh, because some volunteers need gas and they need to be reimbursed for the groceries. And then there's a list of people. So we all kind of just um, had this idea that we'll, we wanted to give everybody um, a chance to get help from us. So we went in order. And so we started at number one. Amy can tell you what number we're at right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so we didn't go by it. And it, there were certain cases that we did uh, take into account that it might be an emergency. So let's just make a decision now as a group. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're actually going, going down, the, down the list to give everybody a fair chance. Um, anything from... A pregnant woman needing munchies mm-hmm. <laughs> or cravings mm-hmm. to single fathers um, from LGBT community that are not getting help or just there. There's no help out there. Mm-hmm. So I, I I'm going to agree with Amy. We are specifically looking at folks, marginalized folks who wouldn't get this help. And what we're learning is everybody has a need. Mm-hmm. But nobody's doing it like we are. I think a lot of people have run out of money and ideas, and we are kind of like still staying afloat. Um, We run out of money. And then as a unit, we think of ways that we can raise more money um, because there's going to be a need. uh, There's going to be a a continued need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, um, right, like LaDonna said, we're, you know, we've we're on line 173 of um, the folks we've given to, but we have 256 outstanding requests still, um, and we keep fundraising. And then um, the city of Grand Rapids recently, um, actually through mutual contacts, they sought us out um, really? to make sure that we would apply for the neighborhood match fund. Um, and so we oh, wow. we needed a nonprofit, a separate nonprofit. 
um, the Hispanic Center to be our fiduciary for that because we're not a nonprofit and we're not going to be. Um, never, 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 never. <laughs> never. We're very committed <laughs> to never doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we were a, we the hopefully this week or next week we'll be able to receive that money. And you know, we checked with them. We were like, City of Grand Rapids, do you understand? We are just giving this money away. Yeah. That's all we're doing. We yeah. don't have a fancy project. We don't have a. And they were like, "Yeah, your application was approved based on that. That you were just getting the money." Into That's those awesome. Hands. So, what does that mean for you? Like, how much of the money gets matched? Like, how much? Yeah. So all we have to do is match by either. uh, We can do both. And I should say we can raise money and we raise it on our PayPal pool, Mm -hmm. um, tinyearl.com, GGR mutual aid. Um, And we can also donate in-kind donations such as volunteer hours. And Mm -hmm. we, you know, we have, um, we have an, we have a, a team of folks who take in requests. So we call them intake just for a shorthand way to talk about them. Mm-hmm. Um, but folks who message folks and, and um, take phone calls. Um, and we have a few of those folks working every day. Then we have what we call a dispatch team, people who are organizing the grocery list and sending volunteers out every mm-hmm. day to buy groceries and deliver them or to pick up um, the groceries from um, food local food pantries or to sort groceries um, that are donated by local grocery stores. Mm -hmm. And so we have a good, I don't know, seven to 10 volunteers working every day, at least a few hours every day. So each of them. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And so they're, and they're doing all this grocery sorting, all of this, you know, either dispatch where they're taking in in intakes or doing the dispatch or sorting groceries or delivering the groceries, all these different responsibilities, huh? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, when we started, it's felt a little weird to specialize the way we have and really say, you know, this is going to be your role. Why don't you, you know, you keep working in this Mm -hmm. role. Um, because kind of, you know, in my dream vision of mutual aid we're all just working together and getting it done but it was like no we absolutely (laughs) need people to hold these roles and and hold them well and train others on doing them um when we first started um we asked for volunteers and requests at the same time so offers and requests at the same time and Um, There were a few days where it was just a couple of us just scrambling to try to meet, you know, what was coming in. Mm -hmm. And someone, um, an early volunteer, and she's she's she had to not stay with our network because her her work um, picked up and went full time. But um, she had done dispatch um, for a kind of emergency rescue, um, very neighbor to neighbor during Hurricane Harvey in Houston. Mm And she said, the first thing you have to do is onboard, get your volunteers on board, give them all roles and figure out what they're doing. And I was like, you're right, because right now I'm scrambling around doing all of it. Mm -hmm. You know, me and like three other people are scrambling around doing all of it. Um, LaDonna was going and getting groceries for us to sort. And it was a lot. So that is a really that's a really an interesting thing to talk about, because I'm sure that a lot of people listening are probably at that point where they're like, mm-hmm. you know, we have people willing to volunteer. Maybe, maybe people taking on certain roles is a, a really efficient thing to do. And so was that when, when you came to that point where you realized, okay, let's have roles, let's kind of make this a little bit more specialized in a way. Was that 
conversation difficult to have with people? Were people like resistant to it of like, I don't want to just be a delivery person? Or was that something that people were pretty open to? And did that go pretty smoothly? Um, people were really open to it. Good. And especially in those early days, right? We all were just like, tell me what to do and I'll do it. Yeah. I know, you know, oh, totally. everything needs help. Yeah. <laughs> everything is overwhelming. I don't know what to do. Yeah. And so as we could find our way in conversations together, and I know, you know, LaDonna and I talked a lot. I mean, we talk a lot anyway, but we talked a lot during these days. Like, how do we get this to work? Mm-hmm. Um, another mm-hmm. co-founder, Sarah Doherty, um, and I talked a lot. We all three talked a lot about how does this work? You know, what what happens here? Um, as we could find those answers, we would like cling to them like life rafts. We were like, no, no, maybe this will work. But at the same time, like LaDonna said, we have made mistakes and we've always been really fluid too. That's the, the nice thing. Like when something worked, we were ready to go for it and, and see what happened to uh, see what needed to happen to put it into effect. But when it wasn't working or it needed to change, we were able to be pretty fluid too. So right. it's, we kind of found the sweet spot that way. Great. Yeah. That fluidity, that ability to, to change when you see something is not working. It's just so critical. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's really been working mm-hmm. well for you. So that, um, so one of the aspects that I found was most astounding was how you've been able to get uh, over $15,000 worth of groceries from these, these uh, Latino food stores. And um, that's, that's just amazing. And so maybe that's something that a lot of the listeners would, would find a lot of interest from because these, um, that sounds like just a a treasure trove of really good food and amazing resource. So, so if somebody is out there wanting to get in touch with their local food stores like that, was there anything that you found useful or was it really just as simple as like, yeah, go to the food store and ask them for, it? you know, how did that, how did that work practically? Well, like everything, so much about relationships. Um, we had previous, right, LaDonna? We yeah. had previous relationships with folks from Cosecha and Rapid Response to ICE, um, from LaDonna and I being out in the community in different ways. So um, it was, we, um, our Latinx friends came to us with like, we know we have all these families and they need food. And they kind of spread the word about us. And, and um, so we got in an influx of, of um, Spanish-speaking families, of Latinx families, of underdocumented families. Um, and our grocery system was very slow. You know, we were doing at top like seven deliveries a day. Mm-hmm. And suddenly we got all these folks. And I was, this was a place where I was feeling a little stuck. Like, I'm not really sure how to do that. And they were like, you know, your system isn't going to work for us. We have grocery stores that want to give food and you're not prepared to set that up. And it's like, okay, wait a minute. What if, if you can get the food, we can help you sort it. Um, and we can get you the names of the people who need it and we can get you volunteers to deliver it. Does that work? And Mm so what I love, it was, it's the most network part of the network that we've done so far. We're Mm. a community that was already kind of had some, some moving pieces going. Um, 
we were just able to figure out where do we, how do we support what you are already tending towards doing, which you yeah. already, you see the need, you know what needs to happen, mm -hmm. you know where it's coming from. It's just getting a few things lined up and we can support with that. Um, so that was amazing. So I would say for other people, like um, it's all about relationship, build those relationships because people there will know exactly what needs to be done and they'll be able to see it happening and you'll just be able to, to offer the logistical support to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Oh, that, that makes total sense to me. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Great. So, so another kind of like um, logistical question is I'm sure that you got overwhelmed with kind of requests as soon as this, mm -hmm. um, as soon as this kind of started, how did you go about, um, how did you go about responding to these requests or kind of, how did you go about navigating that overwhelming amount of requests for not only food, but also cash, uh, cash supplies, you know? I think, uh, I think w when you're talking about that, that we're kind of all on one accord, um, with, uh, working together and doing check-ins with each other. Um, and finding out how do we support each other and brainstorming together. Um, there were points where, where we were saying, oh, we don't, we just don't want to get burned out from something that we have passion to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, there's going to be times where you have to step back and say, you know what? <sighs> and, it, and it feels really great. Um, and it reminds you that you're human um, at the end of the day. Um, but it also humbles you mm -hmm. in the most humblest way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think um, I, I'm just I'm just a, so thankful to be a part of something so great and be connected with uh, people that stopped their everyday lives and essentially became essential workers mm -hmm. in their own right and said, "What do we need to do to help our community? What do you need?" and we fall back, we get back up. We fall down, we get back up. I, I, I just think that that's that's the thing that if you don't fall, you'll never learn. Definitely, mm -hmm. definitely. You'll never learn. And and we, we keep falling, we keep getting back up. And we have just this desire to make sure that our community is has what it's need has has some balance to it. Mm -hmm. Let me just put it like that. That we have a little bit of balance in this chaotic time. Mm -hmm. Um so I think that's important um, with the mutual yeah. aid network. I love what you said about yeah. w when you fall, you get back up, and that's part of it. That's part of moving forward. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that you're failing when you're falling. That that's that means that you are yeah. making progress and, and moving forward. Um, so that kind of brings well, me to the next question, which is like how uh, one of the so on on your social media you have that report of all those amazing statistics that I, that I pointed out at the beginning. And also on that really beautiful, beautifully designed graphic, there's, um, there's things like remaining cash request, um, two fifty six, And also I thought it was really awesome how you put on their mistakes made too many to count. And, um, <laughs> that really, I feel like that really like humanizes it and be like, yeah, we're not, yeah. we're, you know, we're making mistakes just like anybody who, who tries something like this. And so speaking to that, what, what were some of these mistakes that you've made? Because I think that that can be something that a lot of people listening can really learn from. And my idea kind of with starting this podcast is that if we could all learn from each other's mistakes then we hopefully won't have to make them in city after city after city, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. 
Um, yeah, that has been to support what LaDonna was saying and then add like managing expectations, particularly in a city that is very used to nonprofits and social services agencies um, has been important. And when you asked about all the requests, part of it is just manage expectations. Like we just let people know again and again, you know, we're getting a ton of requests um, and we validate like a lot, like this is really hard. I hate that you're having to wait, but we just don't have it right now. And we're just neighbors helping each other. Um, so that has been really important. And, and putting that line about too many to count mistakes made was part of just like, yep, like you said, we're just humans, neighbors, we're, we're messing this up all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but some of the mistakes, I think I first wrote that on that graphic right after we had sent money to um, a cash app account that um, wasn't wasn't verified. It wasn't getting to the person who mm. needed it and oh, we were right. supposed to be sending it to. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that was not a great feeling. Oh, wow. <laughs> we were yeah. like, what's happening? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but we worked it out and we had volunteers cover that expense. Um, so we were, we were okay on that. Uh, you know, and that's the other thing is when you make a lot of mistakes, there's also a lot of room for grace and for people to come up and say, you know what, mistakes happen and I have it right now. So let me, let me cover that for you. So no one else is out that money mm -hmm. and we'll move forward and we'll learn from it. And we learn to always send a test payment to mm, yeah. um, any pay link to make sure that the person that we were in contact with was actually getting the money that we wanted them to get. Um, so that was a big one. Um, and then I, the, you know, we were really intentional with the giving circle, right. And it being folks of color, but um, LaDonna pointed out a mistake that we were making a lot of our volunteers to do intake and dispatch were young white folks. And she was kind of like, why are there no volunteers that look like me? And um, these folks were not necessarily very connected with community, right? So do you want to speak to that a little bit? Um, yeah, I, I think that it was an honest mistake. There was no malicious, um, malicious intent when um, I brought it up. But uh, it, I think that we were really concerned. I, I, I'm not defending the mistake. Um, I think that I think that we were just all thrown in headfirst on how we could help our community. We never stopped back to say, "Hey, the system that we're fighting against, we kind of became them because we're we're here and we're we're hitting all these marginalized folks that wouldn't normally get the, the services or assistance, but they don't look." like me mm -hmm. and so it comes off that we're a white savior and so i'll just say this i'm comfortable with amy amy's comfortable with me um there may some be some things that i'm more comfortable sharing with her than another person that's white and and vice versa because I think that we're friends, Amy, and you and I talk from everything from A to Z. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We were just so excited and so passionate about what we were doing. We didn't stop to think about, oh my goodness, there's like 130 plus white people and the only minorities are in the giving circle. Mm -hmm. But what we did was we stopped. 
And we stopped and we looked around and we said, hey, we forgot to ask him some, some questions. We thought, hey, this is great. We're going to give away this money and we're going to be able to do lots for our community and feed families and, and do all these great things. But, but it wasn't with people that looked like me. Mm-hmm. So did you? And it was an honest mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Did you? Um, what did you do from there? Did you? You know. Well, is I think no we went back to the drawing board. We weren't. It wasn't over, and we're not done, and we're not defeated. What we had to do was we had to go back to the drawing board and say, "How do we fix this? How did we get to this point? Even in this little time, how do we fix this?" And so we had to reach out to other community members um, to find out how do we go forward as a unit. Um, with the mutual aid fund. And I think that we're working on that because just by acknowledging that we lack um, people of color um, as volunteers shows it's, it's huge. It's huge to talk, talk with my friends and my colleagues um, about what we're lacking and then work on it. We're not like, oh, okay, so yeah, we'll get back to you on that. No, we stopped. We assessed it and we said, what do we do? And we went and we looked for people that could help us, um, mm-hmm. people out in the community. Um, and they're and they're teaching us stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm more of a resource person. Um, this is new for me um, as well for a lot of people. Um, but like I said, we're constantly learning and growing and growing and learning. And mm-hmm. we we're looking around and we have people of color coming in to give us suggestions. Um, people who are active in our community. I'm active, but there, there are different parts to our community. Um, so we're regrouping when it comes to that. And we're, we're listening um, when it comes to getting ideas about having people of color as volunteers and what we did was we said we would like to pair people up how do we pair people up well we want people that look completely different we want to pair you up maybe with the black jockey with um the the trans trans woman or you know mm-hmm. we just want we we don't want mm-hmm. we we don't want you to match <laughs> we want you to not to look like you don't belong so we can learn about each other Mm. and so it's not like okay um if i work in fast food i'm going to be connected with somebody in fast food no i might be connected with somebody who's a secretary Mm -hmm. we don't want people that match we don't want people who are alike we want to learn and grow and we want people are different and and when we get people that are different and we start engaging then we can break down the supremacy that we are fighting towards Mm -hmm. But we can't do that unless we're engaging because uh, I, I, let me say it like this. Um, I think that if we can engage and um, learn about each other, then we could start to um, develop relationships within our community. Um, how do I say this? Do you want to help me out, Amy? Yeah. Because <laughs> I've, 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 ta- I've talked to you um, in length about this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we had a great meeting with 
um, some other black women who are really active in the community last night. And um, it was, so we had our white intake folks and these black women who are, you know, really embedded in community and uh, talking and we were laughing and making jokes and figuring things out. And you could feel the excitement on the Zoom call just about that people need this kind of connection that we're trying to break down the silos that are so prevalent in Grand Rapids, right? Um, and and um, just get people connecting. And so we feel like for our intake process, for our dispatch process, if we have, um, this better connection. Our our goal in the beginning was to build these relationships, but then that you asked, was there, you know, were there any problems with specializing the roles? I think that be, that has revealed itself to be a problem in specializing the roles in that mm -hmm. it's not as, it's a little more system and a little less just relationships and neighbors coming together. And we are trying to address that very specifically in um, in partnering up um, folks with folks from the black community. We have some more connections with the Latinx community, but we'd really like to build those more. Um, yeah, so just to continue building, that's, I think we're, we're on the right track and people were excited about in the meeting last night, um, people were excited about coming together and figuring out this work together. So awesome. it's good. So when you talk about partnering, when you talk about partnering up people, are, is that, is that like partnering up volunteers of like you and you are going to sort this box of tomatoes or is it, um, or is that different, a different way of partnering people up? Like, right, you and you are going to um, work together and texting these folks um, okay. to see what they need okay. and to do follow up with them. Um, and while you do that, um, let's check in with each other, too, and let's build that relationship with mm -hmm. each other, too. You know, I love how that is, is um, built into it. it. Like the the idea that we're meeting each other's needs for for community, these these needs to combat loneliness. This that's a very real human need, just as real mm -hmm. as water and food. Um, this need for connection and how that is built in to what everything that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's really we, awesome. We're working on it. <laughs> we are not always making it, but we are working <laughs> yeah. on it. So, yeah. Yeah. And so another another aspect where the um, where these kind of questions of representation come in are the um, your how how you decide to give a, to give the cash don the cash donations and the food supplies um, because I'm I'm sure that somebody who's listening to this might think like oh well if if cash donations were giving being given away in my town. I just call and ask for $200 because I want to buy a, you know, nice new pair mm. of shoes or something. And so how, how do you manage that? How do you, do you just give away, okay, you want $200, you get $200. You want a thousand dollars, you get a thousand dollars. Or how, how does that process look? Do you, what does that look? Well, since there's several of us, um, there, there's more than one person making these decisions, which makes it easier on us. And and I'm gonna, I'm gonna just gonna add what we learned. We learned that there's bias within our own communities mm -hmm. with each other. Mm -hmm. um, that was one thing we did learn that we kind of have bias within our own community. 
Um, but it is not that simple to get give out money. It is not. Yeah. It is easy to get money, but it is not that easy to give it out. Mm-hmm. We could be giving away money for three hours. Yes. If someone asked for, yeah. So if someone asked for $200, um, you could request it, but the way it, the, the way the mutual aid network is, is formed, we want people who have a direct effect of COVID-19 to um, have dibs on this money. And so if you ask for $200, we, we don't want to really know your life story. We're just asking, how would you would you use this money? Like if there's not n- enough information, then the mutual aid, excuse me, the giving circle would say, we need more information before we make a decision or can can we stop right now and, and give, um, I don't know, John a call and find out, hey, John, did your circumstances change? Oh, they did? Well, if they did, how could we help you right now? How could we help uh, assist you right now if you don't need that $200? So it, it's, it's not that simple. It, it seems simple, but it's really not that simple. There's decisions. There's, there's multiple people making decisions, um, even for $200. But we want to make sure that we service everyone in the community. And so... Uh, I think that when we get like a little inventory of what they they need the money for, like I need two hundred dollars for groceries, I need two fifty to go towards the lecture bill. Um, where it's it's like that, mm-hmm. but but again, we are not just giving away money, and our intake is not just saying how much do you need. Our intake is saying we're here, um, we're we want to know how we can help you. Um, let's figure this out together. So it, it's not, it's not like okay, just give me two hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, you take the conversation beyond just the money to more of like w- what else? What what are all the ways that, that we can holistically help your situation? Right, and even some people in the giving circle have uh, kind of like we'll see it's it's case by case, but we'll kind of see the case and say, wait a minute, could we follow up? Um, we, we, we would advocate for maybe a family. For instance, there's a family of 11. Um, there were, I think it was two adults and the rest were kids under 18 and some very, very young. Uh, and in that case, some parents had been deported and the kids stayed. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was left on uh, one, two, three adults. It, it was just a lot of kids. Uh, and I said, well, Let's give them tissue. And we're trying to figure it out. I said, okay, I'm just gonna give them a box of tissue. I'll pay for it, I'll take care of it. Because I was a single mom, I had six kids. I I, I was the seventh person, I was a single mom. I know you don't wanna have to worry about toilet paper with 11 people in this pandemic. Mm-hmm. And we actually have a supplier. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we, we, we don't have to look for toilet paper. Okay. Um, if push comes to shove, uh, we had a supplier stand up and say, you know, whatever you guys need. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've had a supplier from, let's see, the 14th, March 14th. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it seems like there's, there's, it seems like that's a, a big part of your task as, as your group is, is like you said, it's not as easy to give away money as it might seem. And it seems like that, no. that's a part that takes, a, that takes a lot of your intention, a lot of your effort, huh? 
Um, and so one of the other um, things that that you're really intentional about in your um, in your in your posting and in your social media presence is is making sure that people know that this money is is intentionally going to people most most affected and most marginalized from marginalized communities like people of color, um, people who are from other marginalized um, communities. And so that and so I'm, I'm I'm assuming that when you're the giving circles meeting and making these kind of calls about where the money goes, that factor plays a large role in that conversation, huh? It does. Yes, mm-hmm. it absolutely does. Um, we we do ask people how they and folks in their household identify, and very specifically, do they identify as a person of color? Um, we we found out that a lot of um, Latinx folks wouldn't necessarily call themselves a person of color. It's just not a it's not a phrase that translates, particularly yeah. in Spanish. Yeah. So um, we had to add like are you Latinx are you, or would you call, you know, like, oh, we had yeah. To, yeah. So That's we, another thing we learned about the different language it when in different cultures, the mm-hmm. language too, Robbie, yeah. um, we learned that, that we can ask for the same thing, but in a different way. Yeah. 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 That we needed to meet folks. And then we ask, you know, is someone, are you or someone in your household elder or disabled or LGBTQ? Um, because those were, those are communities we're really interested in, in being in community with. Um, so yeah. And, and the giving circle decided early on that, um, the money was going to go specifically to folks of color. We will support white folks with groceries, with emotional support, with various asks, but cash specifically was going to go to only to folks of color. And so it does. Mm. So, yeah. So how, um, has that brought up any any pushback or any problems or has that been something that everybody is kind of like oh all right that works for me like I, i'm picturing like are there any like poor white people who who like make a request for money and then you tell them that and that doesn't maybe sit well right well um that's not something we t- we share with them that's something that's shared within the giving circle right um, mm. Mm-hmm. Right. That the, the determination is made in the giving circle. The thing is that when we're not able to give them cash, we're always able, we have a list of resources, we have groceries, we'll definitely, you know, we have other support that we can give them. Um, and so we make, we tend to focus on what we're able to give them instead of, you know, that mm-hmm. the request was turned down. Um, the when I introduced, when I kind of shared the decision from the giving circle with a lot of our volunteers, some of whom are poor white folks who have always been poor, um, they were totally like, I said, let's just take a minute to process that. Like, how does that, you know, how does that feel? How does that sit with everyone? And I, you know, I didn't know what would come of it, but they, they were like, they took a moment and they thought about it and they were like, no, that makes a lot of sense. That's what needs to happen. I'm really glad to be part of this. I'm really glad that's our focus. And um, people became very invested in that way of doing things that we were really intentionally going to try to disrupt these white supremacist systems, um, in all sorts of ways. So, yeah. So if, so if, a, if someone is listening to this podcast and they're, they're a poor white person and yeah. they, they shouldn't, 
they shouldn't like throw in the towel and be like, oh, I'm not going to contact them. They could still contact you with with. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They could still contact us and um, we can talk about grocery support. We can talk about um, other resources in the community. And, you know, some of these resources are well known, um, but some of them are are just things like um, people churches or grocery stores or whatever just decide they're going to give out something some resource a day and we just share that on the page or we just share that as best we can and um so you know people again we're a network we're trying to just connect where people are offering things and um, where there are things available and see if we can get it out to the community so mm-hmm. yeah yeah, definitely. <laughs> LaDonna's dancing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. The, um, one, I think, also important question is, what does the future of Grand Rapids Area Mutual Aid Network look like? Because the 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 state shelter-in-place measures might, you know, who knows how much longer those will last, but they're not going to last forever. Um, mm-hmm. But surely the economic impacts of this are going to last a lot longer. And so what do you see the future of the mutual aid network looking like? And is it something that will continue past the time of COVID? And, you know, what does that look like for the future? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I we, That was something that we were able to discuss uh, last night bringing other folks into uh, the circle and the mutual aid. Um, And that's something that we discussed and we determined that there is gonna be a need um, for mutual aid way past COVID. Um, We we just, there's there's an assurity of when we'll actually bounce back and and what that means. And I'm finding that um, finding these resources for our community that without the um, without the structure of the schools that money can kind of get mismanaged mm-hmm. um, having so much time on your hands and we we took that into consideration I don't think it's anybody's fault but when you don't have anything to do um, it kind of leaves the room open mm-hmm. uh, so so we we we're anticipating helping people after how long that is i think nobody knows that but we'll help as long as we can because we're just that dedicated mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it probably will also depend a lot on how long people keep donating right yeah my thing is i'm um, growing up in the inner city of grand rapids and being a person of color that i found that we had people coming in and they would come in and it, it wouldn't be support. It would be like, okay, we're here. We're, we're going to do this, this, and this. It, and, I, and I would say, why don't they just come in the inner city and give us the tools and support mm-hmm. for us to do it ourselves? Because we're not looking for sympathy. We're looking for empathy. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So it's kind of like that. And so developing these relationships and as time goes on and the strategies that we discuss amongst ourselves, I think that, that we're like, this is needed. What we're doing is we're being the changes needed here and around the world. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to put an end to white and black. We're Americans. Mm-hmm. 
soon as soon as people figure that out, the better we'll be off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I can just speak to the where do we go from here question. Um, it, several people have expressed an interest in having a mutual aid network continue um, long after the crisis is over, just as um, kind of a principle um, being lived out of um, neighbors who live in systems that are really violent um, to all of us, uh, who live under a government that has shown through this crisis that it truly doesn't give a shit about us, um, for us to continue coming together within this network. And a uh, part of the mutual aid network that we haven't had a chance to talk about that much here um, is the political work, is doing tenant support, um, working with, um, yeah, a new Grand Rapids area tenants union, um, and starting to give people a way to connect to each other um, in challenging landlords and property management companies. Um, and and just having that political work also be part of what we're doing. Um, and that's where you'll never confuse us with a nonprofit because we are <laughs> we are absolutely dedicated to doing um, some of this work. Um, led by those th who are most affected by, you know, these systems, the violence of these systems. So um, that I think there's going to be a need for this long into the future. Um, we know that this particular crisis is going to have surges. It's going to have, you know, people are going to get sick. Um, more people are going to get sick. It, will they have to shut down again? Yeah, maybe. Um, what does back to school look like next year? No idea. You know, so much is fluid. So our hope is that we just stay. Um, yes, we, we've gotten bigger really quickly, but our hope is to stay kind of fluid and connected and in relationship and be able to, because we've done a great job just talking, you know, talking to people and figuring out where to go next. Um, and we just want that to continue. Mm -hmm. Like we can do that for a long time. It doesn't yeah. have to be at the scale we're at now, but we can do that work for a long time. So, yeah, definitely, mm -hmm. definitely. Um, so in speaking to that, um, it's kind of one of the things that that we're that I had said earlier was like the the longer people keep donating, the longer this, you know, the longer you'll be able to doing keep doing it in this form. And so mm -hmm. that kind of brings me back to the question of how have you gotten so many donations and what what have been your best like tactics and your best platforms for getting those donations from people? Because I'm sure that there's a lot of other organizations out there who are like, yes, we're we're fundraising, but I want to be able to raise that amount because that the mm -hmm. amount that you've been able to raise is really incredible. It has been incredible. Yeah. Um, you know, I put up a lot of the posts on Facebook. Uh, I typically make a graphic. Um, I started using Canva. I'm really late to the game, but I did. And um, Can, I'm just going to interject <laughs> that Canva is a great tool for okay, design. Great. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Canva is like your designs. It looks so professional mm -hmm. and it looks the the graphics that you post, it, it looks like you have a full-time graphic designer working for, for you. But I didn't realize that was just Canva. 
And so that is just Canva that, and it's, it's typically, um, adapting designs that are available for use on Canva. That's perfect. Um, so if you're listening to, to this, things. check out, it's C-A-N-V-A, correct? Mm-hmm. And is it a free yes. app? I think it's free. It is free. You can, there's a paid version, but you can use most of it for free. Yeah. Okay, cool. So yeah, so if you want great graphics for your group, check out Canva. That's really worth it. Yes. Sorry, I just want to interject that because that's really helpful. So keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's allowed us to put together graphics that are appealing, um, that have some humor or some humanity in them, you know, um, and people seem to like those. And then when you share a picture, when you share an image on Facebook, it's very easy, easily shareable. Um, sometimes it transfers to just my personal Instagram too. Um, and those get shared far and wide. I share them to a lot of Facebook, local Facebook groups that I'm in. So they get a lot of eyes on them that way. If you can get your team, like I'll share them within our intake in our giving circle and say, um, please share these, these, you know, posts everywhere. Um, because that just continues to raise them in people's feeds. If you get folks started sharing them. So I use a lot of things to try to push those social media parts out those social media posts out um and and they do pretty well and we get um a lot of donations in that way when stimulus checks were first coming out we did um a couple of stimulus um match campaigns um where where we had donors who would offer, you know, if you raise $5,000 by Friday at five o'clock, I'll give you another $1,000 on top of that. And so um, that was a great way, you know, people had a deadline that they wanted to meet and um, they were willing to share and give a little extra to try to help us get to there. So, I mean, that's an old nonprofit kind of strategy, but Mm -hmm. um, it seemed appropriate and it seemed to work. Um, And then, you know, this is, this is true where I kind of weaponize and use my privilege, you know, as a middle-class white person, uh, I have connection to just some people who have some more money. And so, um, if you have people in your networks who are willing to do that and willing to, and, and I'm not afraid to ask my connections for money because that's, that's something that's important to me. That's, and I'm pretty, um, open and vocal about my worldview that, that, you know, I feel like white people should be paying reparations or working on reparations in some kind of way. And that there, this is part of it too, is that, um, you know, or put another way that people who are still working during the shutdown, um, and are getting stimulus checks that they don't necessarily need, like it, it's a great use for the community to share those checks. So, um, yeah, those are some of the ways that we've approached it. Um, there are people from the community as well that have um, donated and people that have used the mutual aid fund and came back and said, you know what, I want to give right back because yeah. you were there for me. And yeah. because because you were there for me, I want to be there for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes us so darn awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Damn awesome, Roddy. <laughs> so damn awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> absolutely true. I know of people who were yeah, like, yeah. Um, when when we sent their payment, they were like, will you tell me, because I'm going, I'm expecting this money at this point, mm-hmm. will you tell me how I can give some back to the mutual aid network at that mm-hmm. time? And so I was like, yeah, I mean, absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. So it just, it takes 
a community effort to do what we do. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And I love yes. that, 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 that I feel like is the, that is such a perfect illustration of what mutual aid is, is, is that somebody at, at one time can be a, a recipient and, you know, a few mm-hmm. weeks later they're uh, in the volunteer or the giving role and mm-hmm. that, that kind of is, is something that you don't necessarily see a lot in charities. You know, you see charities being funded always from the rich and always giving to a certain you know, mm. um, demographic of people, but in mutual aid, it's different where we're, we recognize that we're all in these different roles at different times where all have times where we're have something to give and we all have times where we need something. And that's in that, that's kind of what makes it mutual aid is that we're, we're yeah. all just part of it. And it's not, no one's the savior and no one's the, you know, the lowly peasant. Right. Yeah. Yes. Perfect. Well, it's been really amazing talking with both of you. And again, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. And um, yeah, and I'm sure that a lot of people will be able to take this conversation and and apply a lot of the things that they've that they've heard and that they've learned. And so, yeah, thanks for sharing your your knowledge, your your successes and your mistakes. And hopefully we can all grow from all of that. So, yeah, I appreciate you going through all that process, too. That's really amazing. Thank you. Make so sure much. you come back and follow up with us because great things are going to be happening. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I, greater I, things. Even greater. <laughs> yep. Even greater. Even great. Greater. Well, thanks so much. You all have a great rest of your night. And um, I'm going to I'm going to end the podcast and then we can talk more. But if you're listening okay. to the podcast, that's the end of it. That's the end of episode. I think this okay. is episode nine. So tune in okay. for the next one. Thank you. <laughs>